The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Well, take your Bibles tonight, and let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to preach a continuation of a message I started in October, a series. Uh, pastor was going to be on a sabbatical, six or seven week sabbatical. So I wrote out this whole series of messages on faith. And after the first message, uh, his plans changed. So I told you all you'd have to buy the book if you wanted to know the rest of the series. But tonight, when, when he asked me to fill in for him, I, I thought I would go ahead and preach that first installment um, from that series on faith. Uh, so let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, and I'll just read it, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have together tonight. I pray now that uh, you would give me wisdom as I speak, and Lord, that I would say those things that you desire me to say, that, that the people of God might be edified. By what they'll hear. Thank you, Lord, for uh, for your love and your mercy upon us and your grace, uh, without which, Lord, none of us here tonight could hope to live for you. Thank you, Lord, for all these things. Now we ask you, bless in Jesus' name, Amen. Um, in the message I preached previously, we considered the scriptural definition of faith. So I feel it a little incumbent to kind of review a little bit since. It's been well over a month since I preached that message. But we talked about two uh, foundational things in the definition of faith. Uh, the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 1 that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So we have to form our, our understanding of faith from these two things. Now, when we talk about the substance of things hoped for, uh, we, we gave two meanings for the word um, tangible. Uh, the question was, is faith a tangible thing? If it's not tangible, then it must merely be a concept. It must not be a reality. But there are two definitions to the word tangible. One is to be palpable, palpable tangibility, which is something that is capable of being touched. This pulpit is tangible, and it's, it's palpable tangibility. Uh, you are. You can touch yourself. You can feel yourself. That's palpable tangibility. It's real. The pews you're sitting in, all these things. But then there's a second definition to tangibility, and that is material tangibility. Now, material tangibility is that which is appraisable by the mind. In other words, it's something that can be conceived. Uh, tangibility is something that, uh, material tangibility is something that we conceive. Something that is appraisable. It has value. It has, it has substance. 
Um, our faith is a substantial faith. Our, our, our faith is substantial and, and it is tangible in that it has impact on our life and it is comprehensible in our lives. We comprehend the faith that God has given us and it is a tangible faith. Uh, it has a measurable value to the believer. So we establish the fact that our faith is indeed substantial. It, it is, it has substance and it's real and, and it's, it's of value to us. It's measurable. But then we also talked about faith being the evidence. Scripture says the evidence of things not seen. And we, we looked at the fact that there are two forms of evidence. There is circumstantial evidence, uh, which is based on conjecture. And that is the evidence that uh, cosmo- cosmological scientists offer you. They offer you a, a conjecture on the universe and its existence and, and, and all of these things. And they present you with an evidence that really can't be proven. Because it's based on a, on a, on a four billion t- year timeline. And of course, there's no one, no one can go back four billion years and say, yes, this is true. It's not, it's not, uh, uh, it's, it's all circumstantial. It's, it's theories derived from conjecture. But then there's a second evidence, and that is direct evidence. And direct evidence uh, supports truth uh, directly, without need for any additional evidence or inferences. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, John said, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Our faith today is not based on speculation or conjecture. It is supported by direct evidence. Our faith is founded upon the the testimony of the one who was present at the creation of all things. And that is Jesus Christ himself. And he himself gave witness to uh, his disciples. And, and they have carried forth that witness unto us today. And we carry it forth also. So our faith is, is founded upon, upon evidence, uh, direct evidence. And it's a provable asset in our life. And we also looked at the fact that there are two important truths about our faith. We said, first, uh, our faith is a gift from God. In Romans 12, 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God, as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we, we saw that it was a gift from God. But then uh, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Faith is a gift. It is not earned. It is not gained by works. Our faith is a gift from God, and it produces works in our life. We cannot help but live for and serve our God. 
Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 tells us, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Our faith produces an evidence in our life. We will live by God's grace, and we will live according to God's will and God's purpose. So yes, uh, you have a real substantial and provable faith, and it is a gift from God the Father. But then I also stated, and we need to remember, that faith is not only a gift from God, but secondly, it is essential for success. In our spiritual lives, we cannot succeed without the faith given us by God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without the faith given by God, we can do nothing that is pleasing in his sight. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10 Paul states, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Without faith, we cannot hope to live a life that honors or glorifies God. It is absolutely essential. And we know that we can do nothing apart from God's grace that is acceptable to him. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, we read, But we are all as unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Again, in Romans chapter 7 and verse 18, we read, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, But how to perform that which is good, I find not. So we see that without the spiritual faith given to us by God, you and I tonight would have no hope of of a life being acceptable before God. You and I could not possibly live a life that is acceptable to the Father apart from the faith that he has given us. So faith is essential for success. So given this, uh, at this point, I, I planned on launching off into six Bible examples of faith. I'm not going to get all six done tonight, I can guarantee you that. So we're just going to take on one tonight. And we're going to look at Abel for a moment. Now before I do, though, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> And I'm going to read one verse, and it's a verse that you all know, you've all, uh, probably many of you have it committed to memory. But it's, 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 it's essential in this message tonight. So Romans chapter 12, and look at verse 1. Let's all read it together. Ready? Begin. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So here we see in Romans chapter 12 that we are commanded to present ourselves a living sacrifice unto God. 
Now, when we consider Abel, we look again at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. We read, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being yet he being dead yet speaketh. So here we are in Romans chapter 12. We're admonished. You and I are admonished to present ourselves a living sacrifice unto God. So just as God had commanded Abel to bring an offering to him, so God has commanded you and I to also give him an offering, hasn't he? And that offering is what? It's our life. This life that he has given you. This new birth. You see, you bought with a price. You're not your own. And God expects you to to present to him a sacrifice, just as he expected Abel to to present a sacrifice unto him. He wants... Uh, and he wants a sacrifice that's acceptable unto him. So the comparison can be made here. That you and I are no different than Abel today. God expects a sacrifice from us. Not of blood, not the blood of goats or the blood of cattle. But the life that he has given you. The life that he has given to you. That he has commanded you to live in faith. He expects you to present it to him as a sacrifice. So I want to I want to examine Abel's gift to God and, and see if we can compare that to to our own life and how we should be living our lives sacrificially unto God. So tonight, let's look at number one, Abel, a sacrifice by faith. A sacrifice by faith. Again, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. The first example given to us by the author of Hebrews is that of Abel. This perhaps could be due to Adam's failure to demonstrate uh, his, his his faith, and his disobedience unto God. I don't know why the author chose to skip over Adam, but he did, and he went straight to Abel. Uh, The superior excellency of Abel's sacrifice to the Father is a testimony of his faith. It, it, It is in stark contrast to that of his brother Cain. I said it's a testimony of his faith. You know, we all have what we consider to be our testimony, right? Someone comes up to you and says, give me your testimony. We're going we're gonna to give, this, we're gonna give this, this moving, compelling story about ourselves. But you know, your real testimony is not what you think about, of yourself. It's what others have to say about you. Did you ever think about that? That's your real testimony. If we, went, if we went to your place of employment and went to your co-workers and said, what do you think of Jorge? Tell me what you think of Jorge. What kind of man is Jorge? What kind of person is Jorge? 
they would give me a rendition of what they think about Jorge. Now, I'm sure it would be all glowing and wonderful reports. I have no doubt. But that was, amen, yes. But that would be Jorge's testimony. And God offered testimony of Abel's offering in the scripture. God testified of Abel. And that, that's an important thing. Abel's sacrifice exceeded that of Cain, both in matter and in manner. The one was, a, was offered heartily to the Lord, and the other only of necessity. The one was willingly offered, the other was merely a show. The one was offered by faith, the other was not. What about, our, what about our, our Christian life? What about the life we're living? What about the life we're offering unto God? Is it, it, are we living our life heartily to the Lord? Or are we simply doing what absolutely has to be done? What's necessary only? Uh, are, we willingly, are we willingly living our life for Christ from day to day? Or do we merely do it when others are watching and we just simply present a show? Are we living our life in faith? Or are we just trusting in our own selves to get us through this life? These are things that must be considered. If we are going to present our lives a living sacrifice unto the Father, holy and acceptable in His sight, then our offering of our life must be one done by faith. Now let me, let me give you a few things that I find in Scripture that, that, that identifies Abel's offering. First is this, letter A, Abel's sacrifice was a picture of redemption. In Genesis chapter 4 and verses 3 through 5, we read, and in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Now, Abel's sacrifice was a lamb, a type of Christ, the Lamb of God, a firstling, a figure of him who is the firstborn of every creature. He brought one of the fattest of his flock, expressive of the excellency of Christ. And this was offered up, the scripture says, in the process of time. And isn't it amazing Christ was sacrificed at the time appointed? Abel's faith, which was a gift from God, enabled him to see the truth of the gospel. He saw and trusted in Christ, the Lamb of God. Abel was an elect child of God. On the other hand, Cain's offering represented the labors of man. The fruit of the ground. The ground cursed by God, by the way. And the works of Cain to produce 
his own holiness. Cain brought from the fruit of his own labors. Abel brought from the fruit of the Lord. Abel offered unto God a sacrifice that pictured Christ, the Redeemer. Cain offered unto God a sacrifice that pictured his own righteousness. Not the righteousness of God, but the feeble righteousness of man. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace, by grace, not, not by labor, not by work, but by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, Cain could not boast in his offering. Because his offering represented himself. And Cain, such as no man, is able to stand before God and boast of himself. But Abel brought a lamb, which pictured the labors of God. And Cain, uh, Abel brought to God a firstling of the flock, a, fatted, a fat lamb, and brought to the Lord in faith, representing the sacrifice that would be made by God himself. There is nothing good in our flesh. So no works that we can do in our flesh are acceptable unto the Father. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 18, Paul writes, For I know that in, my, that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, <laughs> I find not. Paul understood that there was nothing in himself that was of any, any value to God, nothing of himself that was acceptable before God. However, we know that the life we live by faith is acceptable and is ordained, in fact, by God the Father. So we present to, to God a sacrifice with our living life. <laughs> and that sacrifice <laughs> is a picture of the redemption that we have gained through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we read, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained <laughs> that we should walk in them. So you see, just as Abel, when we live by the faith given us by God, all of our works, which are wrought through faith and wrought because of faith, all of our works testify of and glorify the work of Christ on Calvary. When our sacrifice pictures the precious Lamb of God, it is a sacrifice well-pleasing unto God. Again, in Hebrews chapter 13, we read, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So we see that when we live our lives, a living sacrifice, lived in faith, a life that, that glorifies and honors the redemption that we have through Jesus Christ, this is well-pleasing unto God. So first, Abel's sacrifice 
was a picture of redemption. And the life that you and I live should also picture Christ and his love and his sacrifice on Calvary. A sacrificial life. One that doesn't put self before others. One that glorifies God in everything, in everything we do, in everything we say, in everything we think. We are to offer ourselves up to God. We are are to put God first and foremost in our life, in everything we are. Christ needs to be in the center. So Abel's sacrifice was a picture of redemption. But then secondly, Abel's sacrifice was a proclamation of righteousness. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4 again, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Not a proclamation of Abel's righteousness. Not a sense of boasting because he offered a superior sacrifice. Rather, it is a proclamation of the most excellent offering that can be offered. That of the righteous Lamb of God. By faith, Abel offered a sacrifice that pointed to Christ. It pictured the perfection of Christ. It proclaimed the unquestioned holiness and righteousness of the Son of God. Abel realized that there was nothing greater he could offer God. Nothing greater than his faith in Jesus, the Christ of the Lord. If you recall, during the pastor's, uh, the first part of his sabbatical earlier this year, I taught a series of messages on holiness. Maybe you don't remember those. If you don't, I'm very sorry. But I preached a whole series of lessons on holiness. And the, the, the emphasis of that series was for you and I to understand And the title of the series was In Pursuit of Holiness. And and I thought about that from a choir special that Brother Gary had had the choir sing one one Sunday. And I was was not in the choir that Sunday. I was sitting over there. And I heard them preach this song, In Pursuit of Holiness. And I thought, wow, that's that's a really interesting subject. In Pursuit of Holiness. And as I began to study and as as I dug deeper and deeper... I began to realize I don't need to pursue holiness because holiness pursues me. When I was saved, remember I said when when we are born again, we are made holy in God's sight. (laughs) To God, we are holy. And now there is an aspect of living a holy life that that we must engage ourselves in too. But understand, I can live the best life I want to. That's not going to make me holy. Amen? My life doesn't make me holy. How am I made holy? 
I'm made holy in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And I can't pursue holiness because it's not something that I can obtain. It's for God to give me, not for me to gain. I, I live a, a disciplined life. I do the things I ought to do. Why? Not in order to be holy, but because I am holy. It's because God has made me holy in the new birth, and therefore I am enabled and empowered. I love those two words, by the way. Enabled and empowered. Because without God's grace, I'm neither enabled nor empowered to do anything. By faith, Abel offered a sacrifice that pointed to Christ. It pictured Christ's perfection. It proclaimed the unquestioned holiness and righteousness of the Son of God. Abel realized there was nothing greater that he could offer God. Nothing greater than his faith in Jesus Christ the Lord. Abel's sacrifice proclaimed the righteousness of God. Cain's sacrifice was an attempt to proclaim his own righteousness. He attempted to come to God and say, Look, God, I, may, I grew this. I, I produced this. I labored. And I bring, I'm bringing this forth to you today. Cain, uh, Abel simply came to God and said, Lord, here is the lamb that you have provided. This is my offering unto you. It is this lamb that I sacrifice to you today. And, and, and in doing so, he's taking his own life and he's sacrificing it to God. And he's making a proclamation of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. How many of you here have unsaved relatives today? How many of you have people that you work with that are not saved? Hmm? Any of you? What about your neighbors, the people that live next door to you? Any of you have neighbors that are not saved? What do they need? What do they need from you today? Do they need you to present a sacrifice from your own labors? Do they need you to come to them and say, Oh, well, you know, I go to church every Sunday. I go to church every Wednesday. I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. I, I this, I that, I this. Or do they need you to come to them and offer unto them the perfect Sacrifice the Lamb of God. Do they need you to come to them and say, Christ has done it all for you and for me. It is Christ that loved us. It is Christ that died for us. It is Christ that redeems us. It is Christ that strengthens us. It is Christ that cleanses us. That's what they need. They need you to present a sacrifice that proclaims the righteousness and holiness of Jesus Christ. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and let's begin at verse number 21. We read here, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Gentile and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. What do they need? They need you, and they need me. But they need us to preach the righteous, the righteousness, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just like Abel did by his sacrifice of faith, in which he proclaimed the righteousness of Christ. <laughs> and this sacrifice of, of faith, which can only be given by one of God's children, is an act of obedience unto the Lord. But wait, what about Cain? He also made a sacrifice, didn't he? Yes, but Cain's sacrifice was not of faith. It was one of works. Whereas Abel's was obedience to God. Consider Samuel's response to Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Now, we must be careful as we banter about these words. But both Abel and Cain made an offering, a sacrifice. But one was out of obedience, and the other was out of rebellion. The very next verse, Samuel says this, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. So how will you live your life today? How will you present that sacrifice unto God? Will you, prevent a, will you present a sacrifice of obedience? One that, one that proclaims the righteousness and holiness of Christ and Christ alone? Or will you offer a life in rebellion? Denying, denying the Lord by your actions and by your disobedience. Listen, the worst thing about disobeying God is that you're not obeying God. Amen? Abel's sacrifice was a picture of redemption. It was a proclamation of righteousness. <laughs> but then thirdly, God's testimony was proof of his respect. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, again, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Now in Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, we read earlier, And in process of time it came to pass, that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. You see that? Now, we know that God is not a respecter of persons. For in Romans chapter 2 and verse 11, we read, For there is no respect of persons with God. So if God is not a respecter of persons, why does the scripture state that the Lord had respect unto Abel in his offering? Well, the Lord's respect here is to be understood as being acceptable unto the Father. 
we see this same acceptance demonstrated throughout Scripture by a direct response from God, either by verbal acknowledgement or by fire from heaven. Look at, let's turn at first, to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. Now this is a passage you all know. First Kings 18, I'm getting there, hang on. And look at verse 37. Now, now to set the stage here, this is, this is Elijah <coughs> challenging the prophets of Baal. Y'all remember that story? Uh, Elijah's on the mountainside here, he's challenging the prophets of Baal. And they're there all day and they're, they're singing and they're cutting themselves and they're, they're offering to their God and nothing. Dead silence. So let's look at verse number 37. Elijah's praying. He says, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. You see, God demonstrated his acceptance of Elijah's offering. In Exodus chapter 33, and verse 11, we see, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And these and many other scriptures, we see God's, God's respect unto the offering of, of his servants, his acceptance of their offering. Abel's faith made his offering unto God acceptable because his faith was God's gift and it empowered him and it enabled him and it equipped him to live by faith, to see Christ, to glorify God the Father. Now let's go back to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Back to where we started. Here we see that we are to present to God our life as a living sacrifice. Now we have seen from, from the scripture that Abel's offering was a picture of, of redemption. It pointed to Christ. And we see that Abel's offering uh, was a proclamation of the righteousness of God the Father, of the righteousness of Christ, the spotless Lamb of God. And we see that in, in these things, God gave testimony that he had respect or that he accepted that gift, that offering. He accepted Abel's offering. Now, the life that you have today, the life that was given to you by God, you are going to present that to him. You are offering that life up to the Father. So let me ask you. Only you can answer this question, by the way. 
is the, is, is the gift you are offering to God. Is it acceptable to him? Is it, a, is it a life that you're giving him that is founded upon his grace, his mercy, that, that is lived totally in his faith and faith in him? Is it a gift that God is going to accept and give testimony of its, of its, of its righteousness? Does the life that we live which equates to the sacrifices we offer up to God. Do they picture God's gift of salvation? Do they proclaim the righteousness of Christ? Are they testimony of God's grace and his sovereign will in our lives? We need to remember the lessons taught to us by James. Let's go to James chapter 2. I'm almost done. James chapter 2. Now here James is talking about works. He's, he's talking about works and faith. So let's, let's listen in for a minute at what he has to say. Verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food... And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. You see that? Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Now, now believe me, James is not preaching an alternate gospel here. He's not saying, oh, you don't need faith to be saved. But what he's saying is, and you know this as well as, as I'm trying to teach it. What he's saying is, if you have works with no faith, those are, that's a dead faith. But if you have works because of faith, then that is evidence of a living faith, of a righteous faith. So we see here uh, that, that the life that we live must be, must be one that glorifies and honors God. Look at, look at verse 22 of James. Seest thou how faith wrought with, with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers, and that sent them out another way. So we see that when we have true faith, that produces works in our lives. So we will offer unto God a life. That is pleasing and acceptable unto him. There's so much more I'd like to say and, and, and probably would say if I had more time. But folks, we need to understand that God is asking us to present to him a sacrifice. And that sacrifice is our life. 
Far too many people who claim to be believers today are living a very shallow life. And oh, they're, they're bringing God an offering, but it's only of necessity. It's not, a, it's not an offering that, that shows the faith that we, that we should, be, should be living. So tonight as we contemplate our lives, the question is raised again. Is your offering to God acceptable? Are you offering God a sacrifice of your life, holy and acceptable in his sight? Let's pray. Father, thank you for thank you for this time we've had. And certainly, Father, I I think that others could have probably presented this this truth in, in a way much much better than I did. But Lord, I do I do pray that we would have at least gleaned from this message tonight the importance of how we live our life. And with the, with the realization that it must be a life lived that honors and pictures and glorifies Jesus Christ. So I pray tonight that you'd help each of us to, to walk as we must walk, to have faith in you and all things pertaining to this life, that we, would, that we would have you in the center of all things. Thank you, Father, for this time. I ask you to bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.